0: All right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, I have badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're going to further our individual interviews that we did last time where Alex interviewed me. I know if you guys liked him doing the intro and the outro, please let us know because we could have him do that a little <laughs> bit more.
1: He I added mean, his own
0: little flair.
1: I definitely think that that... um <laughs> It was not a popular move, but
0: we'll see <laughs> it's you got to get that radio voice. Tonight <laughs> we're talking about the weather.
1: I will not do that
0: <laughs> uh, but today we're gonna be talking about to Alex um, kind of about how he started up, um, where he came from, what he's doing, as well as w- everything that he's working on right now, and where he wants to go with building a fighter. so Alex tell everybody about your background. Where are you from? How'd you start in the sport? And why do you love combat sports?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, my background. So I, I don't know like a lot of Midwestern wrestlers when I was six year old, I stepped on the <laughs> wrestling mat and haven't looked back since. So, um, started wrestling, uh, as a kid, I grew up in a pretty rural town and, uh, in the central Illinois. Um, and you know, I was just kind of your all American kid that wrestled, played football, played baseball, did all of those to the highest degree I could. Um, I always did well in school. That
0: was something that my parents really brought me up um, very with a heavy value on. Pause for one second. Alex was the academic wrestler of the year in Illinois. Um, so he d- did well in school, quote unquote. He was literally the best academic wrestler in the entire state of Illinois his graduating <laughs> year. So Continue. <laughs> Yeah,
1: um, yeah, I did all right. I was a valedictorian in my high school, um, academic all American in college for three years. So I did all right in school. Um, but again, I think that just opened doors and, and led me to having knowledge and learning as a passion um, going forward. But again, really highly valued in my household was work ethic, um, both at sports and at school. Um, school was always. Value number one. And so I, again, made sure I had my ducks in a row there. And uh, I've ended up doing okay in the Illinois State Tournament, which was my kind of ultimate goal in high school. I got third at 160 pounds my senior year. Um, and then that led to UW Lacrosse, our uh, school that me and Austin were roommates and um, teammates at. And that's where this whole kind of journey started. So um, UW lacrosse was a great experience. I I, I liked the town. There was definitely some ups and downs as I think any maturation or collegiate experience has. Um, But I found my way to being team captain on the wrestling team, uh, starting position at 184, I um, found my way into exercise science and human performance and I graduated in five years with my um, degree being exercise science and fitness a minor in nutrition and a minor in business administration um, while doing that like I said I was wrestling the whole time I was volunteering at the sports performance center um, that's actually where I first got kind of my coaching chops um, so I started on as an intern there and I was coaching football in the weight room, coaching wrestling in the weight room, basketball, any sport that they would have me. I was uh, trying to, again, get reps as a coach, learn the system. And then about a month in, uh, I had a good relationship with the head performance coach. And he says, all right, you're teaching the internship program. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> so like, as a, Wait, as a student, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so so
1: I, I was a little trial by fire. But again, one thing that has been a common theme throughout my whole career is like once you have to teach something, that means you definitely have to know it. So that kind of put me on the fast track to knowing my shit as far as S and C and the background of strength conditioning and and certain methodologies and what we utilized at UW lacrosse. Um, so love teaching that as an intern, love taking, uh, kind of more initiative in my coaching. I ended up leading the wrestling strength and conditioning my senior year. Um, and yeah, and then after that, I was looking for an internship. And I know me and my my wife now, we wanted to move out west. We wanted to have an adventure. Austin had already departed and left me hanging by that time. He uh, yeah, took off. Sorry about that. For his own career, you know, that thing that he does. Um, and then, so we moved out to Denver. Um, and Denver was a good location for us to kind of expand our horizons. But I had a good opportunity at the University of Denver, working with their Division One teams, and, um, and they're probably the uh, most well-rounded sports development program in the nation. Um, they won, they've won 11 out of the 12 director cups in the last year. So cumulatively, their sports are the best for non-football teams or non-football schools. That is. Um, and just, it was just a great experience to see division one and how high performance is done in that setting. Um, learned a lot there, stayed there for about a year and a half. And then, that was the time where I had kind of a decision to make. It was like, am I going to stay in the collegiate setting or am I going to chase this this uh, MMA, this wrestling dream that, that I had kind of taken a step back from? Um, and that put me on a whole journey of internships where I was finishing my master's degree. I enrolled in my master's program while I was there at the University of Denver, which was a master of uh, sports psychology and sociology. There was definitely a strength conditioning emphasis in that. Um, which I thought was a good complement to my science background at UW Cross. So that worked out well, and I graduated in two years with my master's from there. But I got internship experiences at CU Boulder football, uh, a little bit at the Air Force with their football team. Um, I'm missing one or two, but I, I've done a plethora of internships. But the, the key one and the biggest one that kind of set me down this path, and like I said, I was making a decision whether or not to go on the the MMA and the wrestling and combat sports journey was I applied at least three or four times for the internship (laughs) at, uh, at the UFC performance Institute. So that was kind of a, a, a dream job of mine to get there and, and see what's done on the highest level. And, uh, especially within sports performance and s to see what physical preparation looked like for those guys. But through different connections and, and through a high quality resume and good interviewing, I, I got in there. And then I met some of those guys, which are awesome, which Bo was on the podcast, um, Tara, Bobby. That was just a, a great experience, again, to see the next level of sports performance and interdisciplinary team. I ended up being there four or five months, um, as the intern and, um, again, learned a ton. And then also learned a ton about myself that the MMA world and grappling and combat sports is where I want to direct my career. Um, so that's where building fighter actually started, right? That's what, that's what, that was the, the origins and the, um, that was the, so that's planning. when we started,
0: yeah. that's when we started planning everything. That's so when you were there, we're like, fuck, let's, let's do this damn thing.
1: Right. <clears throat> so, that was the conception of that, and and the vision that we created with changing the combat sports world, and like and the UFC PI is doing it to an extent, but we want to do it to a greater extent in the in the outside world and offer our services to create a PI type of approach anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, moving on from that, I moved back to Denver, Colorado, with my wife and our dogs, and, and started creating a uh, kind of a household life there. I spent a year as a director of performance at a small gym, um, learned a lot about programming and what, what it means to be at the head of a, a program versus being a coach or just writing a program, but to see what it's like to drive high performance initiatives, to um, set a culture, set a, a philosophy to um, really have a program that's my own. And, and that was a really good experience. Um, however, it wasn't within the MMA world and it wasn't a a position with a a large growth um, potential. So led to me moving on and seeking different opportunities. And now for the last two months or month, I've been at Landau performance in uh, in, here in Denver, they work with team uh, elevation. They work with factory X. They pretty much serve any and all professional combat sports in the Denver area. So, that was part of the motivation to go there was to get the experience and get back into that, which I've, uh, come into the fold at factory X pretty well. Like I said, or like, um, per evidence, like factory X has had grappling coach was on, um, last week, but I've, I've done good getting into the fold there and then just continuing to, to try and make a difference while I'm at lineup performance, but also with the, the MMA athletes and, that I do work with
0: what um so that's a lot yeah so long story <laughs> short I live in Denver and I'm a force performance strength coach uh, so with working at Landau right now how do you how do you feel about where you're sitting as far as like tiers right so you're you're new to the thing you're learning the mm-hmm. system how do you feel about um are you able to program at all or are you kind of rolling with uh, the program that's already there you're coaching on the floor
1: yeah. So more of the latter, uh, for sure. And and it's a growing process. And, um, as anybody in the coaching industry, I think knows it's like the guy that walks in the door and demands that he's going to change the program and be, you know, the new guy <laughs> It doesn't go over well. Um, but that was legitimately something that I had learned previously where I thought that I knew better and I came in and it's like, Whoa, man, slow your roll. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely still getting into the full Atlanta performance. Um, um, trying to get into some meetings and trying to um, work to see where I can have a better impact there. But I'm, I was having this conversation actually the other day. My goal there is not to get there and be the guy or not to get there and, and try and change everything that they're doing. They're obviously successful in, in what they've been implementing and how they've been doing it. But I want to get into the fold and I genuinely want to add value. I want to be able to work on where I see some type of weaknesses, but also enhance what they already have going on, which is a, a super good foundational level um, of performance for the MMA fighters. But what I can bring is a, a sports specific Um, knowledge set, being a wrestler myself, doing jiu-jitsu, being into the MMA fold, like I have a year and a half experience having, I can bring those type of insights to the sports performance background there, which I know a lot of their guys already have, but to a higher degree where I have the sports-specific knowledge combined with the uh, strength and conditioning sports performance knowledge. So, Again, where can I add value and what's the best way to do that? The best way to do that isn't for me to come in and say, yo, I call the shots now. I know the most about this stuff because I don't I don't I don't want to ever want to say that I know them the most or I know enough. Um, But there is a place that I can add value. So it's in the works there. And I'm definitely um, seeking out those opportunities to create a team to bring people together to um, enhance the service that we give to all, all of our combat athletes. Um, but yeah, it's still within the the, the grow, growing process there.
0: So you touched on, you have that sports specific knowledge, and this is something that I tell people that ask me, Hey, how do you get into sports? The, into combat sports, that, da, da, da. like all the time you don't yeah. need to have grown up with combat sports to program, to treat, to train combat athletes, yeah. but it does fucking help. Oh, man, it helps
1: (laughs) so much, so much. Again, I I was sitting on this. uh, Sorry, I had a conversation uh, with one of my mentors uh, yesterday, and we talked for about an hour and a half on the phone. But same concept we brought up. Like, I feel as though within my coaching journey, and I'll get back to the sports-specific knowledge, sorry, but uh, I've gone through the cycles of, like, when I was a wrestler, it was about wrestling. Like, I Mm want to get better at wrestling, like, and I skewed more towards, like, the good athlete who happens to wrestle type of um mm-hmm. genre but it was all about wrestling and then i became the sports performance coach and it was like all right i'm learning how to program and then like oh i need to know about strength so i'm gonna be a power lifter i'm gonna be a weight lifter. and then I, I started lifting a ton and then I, I started getting into like the strength sport fold of things and like that's who i'm now i'm the strength coach who can deadlift 500 pounds and who can squat you know 400 or, or, or hit these numbers these pound weight um i know goals and then it kind of circle back to now when I'm getting to the UFC, it's it's like okay, this is an integrative approach. How can we um, bring our performance knowledge back into um, a sport performance setting? Like I, I was transitioning, like I'm not going to compete in weightlifting anymore. I'm I'm going to go do BJJ. I'm going to get back to grappling. I'm going to pursue these type of passions. So it's like back to the sports performance a little bit, and then within my most recent development of again, this is all training myself of training myself. I am now going to two BJJs a week, going to two rugby practices a week. And I do, you know, two sports performance or movement sessions. Like it's completely 180 back to how do we serve the sport? How do we get better at the sport? And I think that that's a good journey to go on for me because I've learned a lot that like for the athlete's perspective, it's about sports performance, right? They're not getting paid to lift weights. They're not getting, you know, um, paid in that sense, but what can we ultimately do in the weight room that serves performance and serves their schedule? Um, so in that line of thinking, having the sports specific knowledge to relate to the athletes, to see the demands of the sport, which are um, one of our three big influences and in how we program mm-hmm. is, like, is key. Um, and it puts you so far ahead in the relationship game, in the um, specific knowledge game that you don't have to quote unquote play catch up. Right. So I, I get almost an automatic buy-in because I know about MMA. I get a, um, a very insightful look into sports performance versus a textbook over the top look, you know, cause I, I've coached, um, lacrosse players. I've coached divers, I've coached different sports that I, I, I study on paper, I can look and see and know, and I know energy demands and I know th- these type of things, but I've, I've never been in it. Right. Yeah. And like, again, you can provide a good service from that standpoint, but you do miss out on some of the sports specific knowledge. And that's why I advocate anybody that works with combat sports. If it's a, um, even if it's just a, a side population or one or two people that you have roll jiu-jitsu three or four times, go get that experience so that you can feel what, you know, a five minute go in training feels like because like that's something that gets thrown around all the time like most gyms have at the end of, of their session of five on one off and you're training that is a grind like guys that are accustomed to it and guys that roll like me you or, or uh or bjj uh upper belts and things like y- you can get through the five minute go and it, it becomes just a five minute go but if you've never rolled in your life and you try and do a five minute go you know how hard that's going to hit you and so you get a, a different appreciation and a different um, insight into what the actual demands of the sport and training for the sport look like. Like half the time, I feel like with combat sports, we're preparing guys to train for the sport. We're not even preparing them for the fight. So that yeah. that's a, another level of insight that you get when you've been in the wrestling room in, in January when we're doing three a days and we're dying, yeah. but it's a, it's a quote unquote overload. Or like you get an idea of what, a two hour MMA practice looks like. It's not like, you know, an American football where you're standing around for 45 minutes and we're talking about schemes and, and plays and positions. You're literally action packed for two hours in MMA practice. So <laughs> it brings an insight and an appreciation that again, people don't have unless they're in it. Long-winded well, answer again.
0: No, dude, you're good. And something, something I love, like and the reason why we get along so well and why you're my best friend and why I, I I love talking to you about this stuff is that your passion for knowledge. You always want to seek what what you don't understand. You always want to seek what you don't get in order to better help your athletes and to better help, honestly, everybody that comes across, like you come across. Yeah. And so something I know you started recently and you're, you're trying to get into is, is working with Factory X and trying to get more involved with their team. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about just as somebody that's new to watching sparring or new to watching a pro team practice, what have you picked up on as far as that could help you as as your strength coach background
1: well i mean first and foremost and, and the, almost like forever and always this is like the number one excuse that strength coaches ever have is like we want to be at practice but we don't have time it's like you know bullshit like <laughs> bitch bitch make time get there yeah <laughs> like i don't have time and and this is a thought that i've I've uh, accumulated over the course of my career, or whatever the, the quote, I don't have time is not a real saying. It's literally, you could replace that with, I haven't prioritized this, yep. you know, and it's the same statement. So get to practice. Um, and in that uh, I went to sparring and I've been to, to factory X and like, that was the absolute beginnings of how I got the new job that I have now, how I've, I've, I've worked my way into that fold. And again, I'm still on the beginnings of that journey, but um, being at practice, creating relationships with the coach, creating relationship with the athletes. Like that's your hundred percent biggest bang for your buck. When you go to practice as you create li- relationships with the athletes and the coaches, they understand that you're on their team. They understand that you're spending your time. You're investing your time in them. You know, they don't, they don't see you as like, Oh, he's just standing on the corner. He's another coach. They see it as like, Hey, he's not in the weight room. He came to practice. That's pretty damn cool. Right. And like, yeah you know, but something that I learned from you, Austin, better yet, get involved with practice. Like if you like me and you have wrestling chops, we can get in some grappling rounds and like fuck some people up, bro. (laughs) Absolutely. Gains you more buy-in. This was another thing I was talking about as stupid as it seems, and it's maybe not that stupid, but being good at the sport that you coach gets you so much credibility with your athletes. Like not that, it makes you a good coach. Cause I think that's a, a misnomer all the time. It's like being a good athlete makes you a good coach, but being good at the sport that you're, you're, you're trying to coach offers so many benefits because again, the whole insight and experience thing that I talked about previously, but also it gets athletes on your side. It, it creates that the, the devil's term buy-in right or whatever, but it does for lack of a better term, create credibility. So, um, that's been huge to create those relationships to, to actually have sport coaches understand that I'm here to support you in your role. It's like strength and conditioning sports performance is never going to be the end all be all, um, in your preparation, you know, maybe a rehab setting it is for a small sliver of time, but like at the end of the day, you got to perform at your sport. And so I think the, the support side of that comes through when you go to practice, um, you get a real, uh, an actual real estimation of player load um, when you're there seeing it with your eyes because you talk to every athlete and every uh, practice is a 10 out of 10. You talk to every coach <laughs> and every practice is a six out of 10, you know? so Or less. You get to see, yeah, exactly. And you get to see what that actually looks like because um, this is another thing I, I, I've talked about before. I made a blog post on like your perception of practice is a lot of times inaccurate and very variable. Like, um, our co- as coaches, we have plans and we have certain stresses we want to hit, but that is all determined by the athlete's actual performance. You know, I could go in on a, on a sparring day and say, all right, we're just going to play spar today. I don't want anybody to ratchet it up. We're not going to do actual rounds. Like, you guys need a break. We've been grinding all week, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, in, in my head, I'm like, all right, they had an easy day at, at sparring today because I gave them, like, a play sparring day. And then you see guys slugging it out, and like they're just ramped up the intensity because they think they need that for that day, or they just, you know, happen to hit a guy too hard, and then the next hit was too hard, and it just elevates that way. And all of a sudden, they're three rounds deep, and they've been going ham. Like you get to see those things that otherwise you wouldn't have seen, and you can see if that's an isolated incident, you can see if that's everybody. Um, and again, some of the Bo said is like that's some of your measure of your efficacy of training like if you can get to sparring and you can see how the energy systems play out if they're gassing in their you know second out of five rounds or or if they're truly being explosive in the ring versus like explosive on your trap bar jumps like there's a difference there where you can see a transfer and and not again that's kind of gets in the weeds with like specificity of training, but you get to have an actual look at like, are this this athlete recovering is our training system working? Like what holes do we need to fill um, in our recovery lifestyle training um, thing? So that's, that's kind of the most nuanced thing that I'm starting to pick on up or pick up on as a coach is like, what's the actual pace of my session need to look like based on the training demands of my athletes. So um, again, Long-winded answer, but that's what I got for you.
0: What are just, we talk about it a lot, but I feel like it's always me and you bantering back and forth. And it, I, as you know, I kind of dominate conversations because I, yeah, just you definitely show. like to I, talk I more than over. I do. Yep. Um, so I think it's a good time. What are some of your guiding principles when you are programming? Like for you specifically, what do you think about when you're writing up a program for say a factory X guy or for just yeah. an MMA fighter?
1: Yeah. Um, number one thing is is schedule and timing. Um, I always look at the parameters that we have either for an event or for our performance or what, what's the priority based on the event we're planning for or based on the goal at hand. So, you know, you're, you're looking at two way to, and I'm preaching to choir, but you're looking at two way different programs for somebody coming off an ACL surgery. And we have time to, Rehab, set those athletic foundations, etc. Versus somebody that's like, "Hey, I gotta fight in six weeks. What my program look like?" Like, I mean, that's the first thing I do is look at the schedule, look at our plan, and then look at the priorities after that. So, um, look at that. i Look at. I really like what Tim was saying a couple of weeks back. And sorry, I'm just referencing these because these are fresh in my head. All these these interviews that we've been doing. But he's like, you look at the the individual athlete needs, the sport demands. And, um, what was the third one? The, yeah. Good. Awesome. Thanks for your help. Um,
0: it's your interview, bro. You're supposed to remember.
1: <laughs> and the, I think it was like the general adaptations. Um, so like, how are we generally adapting them to be an athlete? What's the individual athletes needs and what's the sport demand? So those three priorities come into mind where it's, what's the movement pattern? What's the sets reps, velocities, etc.? Um, what's our, our, goals or emphases for the day, um, for the week, for the plan, for the program. Um, so timing, and then we get to our priorities. Does this athlete need to be more powerful? Does this athlete need to build a strength base? Does this athlete need to move and get less blocky? Does this athlete need to lose weight? Um, so it's a completely individualized approach, um, is what I've definitely gravitated towards where I think some of the initial programs that I've written, Especially in a collegiate setting, are more sport demand oriented, which mm-hmm. is is the move. Like you need to do that if you're training for collegiate athletes in a sport and you have maybe sixty guys. It's hard to individualize that as at that point, which still should make an effort to. But with MMA, there's one person going in the cage. There's one person fighting the three to five rounds. There's one person either trying to stand up and kickbox or trying to grapple and get on the ground the whole time. There's one person that you need to account for their approach their style their strengths of weaknesses their priorities um and, and their psyche their mental mindset so there's so many variables that um i don't know if i've answered your question but that's what i i plan for is the timing i guess is the first initial thing and then
0: um the individualized priorities yeah no that 100 percent answers the question <laughs> cool. uh, re- realistically though like a lot of the times we, we've talked about sport specificity training versus like yeah. sports specific training versus generalized training versus individualized demands. And I know you've, you've been on the super training kick mm-hmm. of recently. Uh, how, My do you, whole life. how do you, yeah, your, your whole life. <laughs> how, how do you see? Cause I know you also use a bunch of APRE. What are some things that you love including into your programs um, wow. for the strength coaches out there that listen?
1: Yeah, I'm going to nerd out on strength and conditioning a little bit on this one. Because, that's what I'm asking, my dude. <laughs> yeah, because that's what we're <laughs> here. Um, so first off, super training, Yuri Virch and pretty much his whole Soviet Union system. That is a Bible in strength and conditioning. And, and when I say that, I mean it in almost a literal sense. Like there's so much packed into that book. It's hard to read, um, but there's so much knowledge and information that you can gain and just like the Bible, you don't take the experiments and the, uh, methods and everything verbatim. You look for the, the guiding principles, the themes of each, um, chapter of everything. Cause you know, it takes a lot of patience to sit down and read that book, but <laughs> it's a great and phenomenal resource to get some of your principles out of and look at what is our actual job at general preparation. So, um, That's been kind of a guiding light since uh, I was exposed to it way back in in my undergrad years. Um, So you get different aspects from that. And then you take the principles from that or from what you've developed in your own experience and you apply methods that fit within those principles. And again, another thing I learned from Tim where my time at DU is principles are relatively rigid. Like I know that I need to develop some a lactic power. I know that I need to have an aerobic base for my MMA fighters. I know that we need to have the lactic capacity to survive a a grappling round. I know these buckets and these principles that I need to fill. Those are relatively stable and relatively cemented in the methods that I choose are way variable. I can get to that end game through tons of different means. You know, there's different ways to skin a cat, right? So, um, When I get those principles in check, we look for the methods that best fit the athlete, best fit the individualized um, plan, and everything like that. So a couple of those methods, APRE, um, I think that's one of the best methods to develop maximal strength um, and general strength.
0: What's it stand for, for the people at home?
1: Auto-regulated progressive resistance exercise. So we're resistance... Based exercise, like you're doing a, a heavy trap bar deadlift, a heavy bench press, whatever exercise have you, um, and there's specific systems for it. But essentially, you're auto regulating till failure to make sure that you're hitting the intensity that you need to hit. Um, and it's not like every set to failure you're like you're overtraining. It's a very um, targeted adaptation and response. But we just take the reps to failure to make sure that we're hitting the right percentages, uh, which I'm, I'm a big fan of, especially for um, novice athletes that their ceiling is relatively low. So going to failure is not a, a big risk versus like, if I have, you know, somebody that's been strength training and is, is near the top of their ceiling, going to failure two sets, three days a week might be a risk. Um,
0: well, and pause for a second, cause yeah. I, I have a thought on this. So like in eight, going to failure is different for everybody, right? Going to failure doesn't mean they can't lift the weight anymore. Sometimes going to failure could mean, Hey, their form, their form yeah. breaks. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and like, there's the guys that they try to do a fucking deadlift and they round their back on the first rep at 135 pounds and they can't fucking do it. And you're like, all right, well, we need to regress this back because that's yeah. going to failure in, in my eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess I, I gloss over that every time because usually when I coach this, I'm eyes on and I cut people at bad technique, but um, a good way to phrase that, I guess, specifically for this podcast is we're going to our functional capacity failure, not our absolute capacity of failure. So like, again, we're not just repping on a trap bar until you can't stand up. We're repping on the trap bar for what you can lift with the proper form and the great, in the, uh, um, the greatest amount of accuracy for the deadlift. So yeah, we're not just ripping, but we're pushing our adaptation to the limit. Then, um, APRE is a great method, um, I'm a great, I'm a huge fan. I talked about your reverse of plyometrics uh, general to specific um, med balls, upper body plyometric. I think those are sometimes the forgotten child um, that like we can elicit some of the same response as we do off the ground from our feet in jumping with a med ball variation or a reactive type of drill um, with our upper body. So I employ a lot of med ball training um, to check those boxes um, to develop power. And then the back to kind of the origins, you're talking about training specificity and sport specificity. That's where I, I fall back to, you know, Anatoly Bondarchuk's um, studies and his book on uh, transfer of training to sport. And again, a little bit hard to read. Um, it's definitely very track and field orientated because that's where he spent his career and his life. Um, and Track and field is a little more simple of a sport than MMA. So track and field, you can track the transfer a lot easier and a lot better. But we look for principles in all this. And, and the principle that, I, that I've derived and that I, I want to hit home on for a lot of my uh, programming needs and my strength training approach is there's you have your general preparation exercises, you have your specific developmental exercises, and you have your specific preparation. So in my mind, the general developmental is like, getting stronger, moving, having some movement literacy, our seven movement or primal movement patterns, etc. Looking at that stuff from a very general lens, can this person move as an athlete, right? Specific developmental exercises uh, is I think where the most bang for your buck lives. It's the adapting the biodynamics, the biomechanics to some of the general movements to make it that one step closer to sport but still not like shooting a wrestling shot with a, a band on you or, or stuff like that i think that's where you make most of your money and that's even what he says in the book that's where you should live is those specific developmental exercises and i think some of the biggest ones that that he applied were like throwing an overweighted ball for a shot put or um using different implements in, in a broad jump uh, to kind of mimic the sport but still with the adaptation as the primary goal. And then you have your specific preparation, uh, specific uh, physical preparation exercises, which are your very um, similar exercises. That would be a place for shooting a shot with a band on, uh, holding your egg weights, shadow boxing. Um, there's a time and place for that ground and pound for time intervals. Like again, time and place. And uh, I don't. I don't want to be that guy that says like never do that stuff in the weight room because I think that's the wrong take as well. But the most bang for your buck and the most time we're going to spend in my programs is that specific developmental exercises where we've hit our ticked our boxes with GPP. We've got a general athlete in front of us that has movement capacities, can hinge, can lunge, can squat, can rotate, can do all these things. Um, But then applies that with adaptation to a physical quality. And the sport still in sight. So um hope I explained that simply.
0: <laughs> you did. <clears throat> and uh, so you talk about a lot of books. Are there any books out there for people that realistically want to learn more about this stuff, want to learn yeah. more about like your methods, stuff like that? Oh, man.
1: Yeah. I, uh, again, there's backbone foundational stuff and strength and conditioning, I think, needs to be read. Um, the Bible, super training being one. I love Practical Programming, the third edition from Mark Ripito. That's like, again, a foundational programming principles um, type of book. Uh, a lot of stuff from Juggernaut Training Systems. That's a really good resource for anybody looking to get into like the programming, and the exercise science side of things. Um, specific, more specific to MMA um, and energy system development. We talked about Joel Jamison's book, Ultimate MMA Conditioning. Um, that's a, a foundational one it's so foundational that when I was in a collegiate setting with no combat sports at all, that's our energy system development book that they assigned <laughs> us. So um, I think that that's got pretty good basis covered. Um, the uh, This newest edition of the uh, cross-sectional analysis, the UFC PI book is like, that's looking more and more like a how to manual for, approaching MMA it's looking less and less like we collected data here's the norms in the UFC it's looking more and more like here are the tools you need to be a good coach or good support mm-hmm. personnel in MMA um, so I think that's a phenomenal resource as we've again said repetitively um, I think triphasic training by Cal Dietz is definitely necessitates a read um, I don't think you need to be a disciple, but I think you you should have <laughs> a a underlying understanding of um, those methods and those principles that he talks about, whether you agree with them or not. And again, I'm on the fence. I use the triserysic system at some points. I don't in other senses. So um, having necess- have an understanding, I think um, I'm blanking on the name of it now. I always do this with West Side. I love West Side, but I always blank on the specifics. I, I think it's literally like the West Side Methods books, yeah. West Side Book of Methods, um, and they outline their conjugate system. Which, um, if you've spent any time in the MMA world, conjugate is most likely the way, the direction that your programs are going. Um, so that is good to get the principles. Again, don't apply their powerlifting methods to your MMA athlete, but gain gain the understanding of the origins of where that comes from. Um, I do. I did. Really like the book Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Again, there's pros and cons to everything, but um, I think it shed a good light on the sociological side of coaching and the knowing yourself as a coach, the knowing your athletes, the relationship side, rather than the X's and O's and specific exercise science um, that everybody loves to geek out on, myself included. Um, is that enough? Is that, is that all? That's a lot of, bo- a lot of books. Is that, is that all the books that I've read? Um, <laughs> I definitely want to go more into like the sociology books, but that that is not directly applicable for a lot of people, so we'll we'll save those ones.
0: I mean, some people might like them. All right, um, all that all that soft science bullshit. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, God, I, it's a super
1: nerdy title for this book. It's um, I think it's like sociological methods in sport coaching. Um, and all that this book does is is look. And I, again, I'm a nerd. I found it super interesting. Is there's about 13 chapters. They take 13 um, rather um, what's the word I'm looking for? New or rather uh, modern philosophers, and they apply their systems of thinking to coaching and like how a philosophy a philosophy approach in thinking has affected our coaching practices. Hmm. Um, so again, sociological methods and sports coaching. Um, again, I can link some of these and all these in the show notes too, if I'm inaccurate, but, um, that I thought was a super interesting look at like how we perform at our job and, um, what coaching actually is because, you know, for lack of a better term, there's a lot of people that know a lot about coaching, but I think there's seldom good coaches out there.
0: Right. It's, it's the practical aspect that
1: gets fucked up. Like, and that's where I think I was for you know the lead, whatever in my development as a coach. You know, like I was at a point for maybe six months, nine months that I knew a lot about coaching, but wasn't very good at applying it. Right, yeah. and so so I think that's a developmental stage that everybody goes through. Just how long you spend there determines the quality <laughs> of your career. So, right. So Not hopefully either. I'm out of that, but I might still be in it. I don't know. I uh, like to err on the side of I could get better.
0: Well, anybody can get better, but the doesn't mean that you're not good at what you're doing, True. right? <laughs> you can, you, can, everybody can always get better. You can learn from everybody. I'm in a weird position where
1: I'm very confident about my service and my capabilities and my performance as a coach. But then I also am very insecure about having that confidence, if that makes sense. Oh, uh,
0: well, I mean, I'm sure me as well as the listeners can tell. Every time I ask you a question, you always say, somebody else said this, somebody else said this, somebody else said this.
1: Yeah, I guess now but, I'm saying it right.
0: <laughs> but but you're saying shit, dude, like something I don't think you realize a lot is that, you know, a lot of shit I do and you got to be comfortable saying, you know, a lot of shit because <laughs> you're a really good fucking coach. <laughs> There you go. Uh, what's uh, so we talked about you asked me. I want to ask you, so everybody knows where I want to go with building a fighter. What's some of the stuff? What's some of the things you want to change about combat sports? What what's, what do you see building a fighter turning into as this uh,
1: progresses? Again, I see building a fighter as a, a foundation of understanding in the sports performance realm for MMA, that the means and methods that we are currently and have been using are not satisfactory that as a, culture we've um that culture being MMA sports performance or just MMA training in general has been misled into this world that like more training is better that um if you're not you know dead or in the sport that dead from training or you know completely all bought in that you're not doing enough um I think building a fighter has a huge opportunity to bring a, like we said, better standard of and better scope of what good performance in MMA looks like or what good preparation for performance in MMA look like. So again, I always kind of think back into my head, like, and I've always had this idea of an interdisciplinary approach where the athlete's health and performance is at the center, where um, support services are Genuinely, sport services and the sport performances at the center. Um, I've always had that look and that approach into my sports performance, where I think some people get lost in the sauce, or like strength and conditioning more most important, dietetics more important, you know, this or that. But we really need to find that middle ground of that truly in- integrative, interdisciplinary approach um, where. The athlete's health and performance, again, is is the king. And their sport um, preparation, their actual sport performance is at the top priority. And I think I have I saw that at the highest level that I could have seen it at the UFC PI, So that's why I always go back to that as a reference. But with building a fighter, we want to extrapolate that and make that accessible to everybody. Um, that's our biggest challenge. Uh, role that we can play in building a fighter is helping people acknowledge that I can do this, even though we're at a you know at whatever gym using whatever services for PT or sports performance or strength conditioning or or healthcare or whatever. Like you can make that integrated approach. Like you can introduce your strength coach to your skill coach to your PT. You can um, bring those things together, and as a practitioner. You should be reaching out. You should be trying to do the holistically best job for your athlete. So it's almost reframing, in a sense, the what it is to do our job um, in for specifically MMA population. So um, creating a new standard, I guess. And, and that's part of our mission statement is is forging a new standard in MMA um, healthcare and performance care. So that's genuinely what I see is uh, us creating a platform that lets everyone know, like, this is the new and best way to do things that we've trialed. We've seen you have your worst, worst wellness as, as the proof of concept. You know, I have the experiences that I have and we can build off of that. And just again, create a, a better performance paradigm for anybody being a sport services, but ultimately for the athlete
0: that wants to be an MMA, professional i love it dude i love it and then my last thing i want to get to you is if you had anybody so say you five years what shit that's a that's a while (laughs) ago now we're old will that be in college seven years ago i think that would be if you or six years ago if you had advice for somebody like you wanting to get into this they maybe they were combat athlete maybe they but they want to do what, what? What's one piece of advice you could give them to help them be as successful as possible?
1: Are you talking about somebody that wants to be a successful athlete or a successful coach? Coach. Um, if I could give myself a piece of advice six years ago, um, and I don't know. Probably going to sound cliche, but like enjoy the journey. Like you put so much, I put so much pressure on myself to like get the next thing done and be the best and be the first one in, last one out, and, and do all that stuff. But like, I think this is something that I honed in on. Again, the, the UFCPI was a great experience for me that like, you know, and part of it too, is they actually treated you like a human being and an employee, unlike a lot of collegiate settings where you're just ground into the ground. But, you know, enjoy what you get to do every day because you know, at the end of the day, my job is fun. I love doing my job, you know, but there's so many things that can get in the way of that. Um, there's the schedule, there's the the, am I better than this guy, the ego, the everything else, but like, just enjoy the people that you're around because, you know, like it or not, athletes are special people. Like, you know, there's a reason that we have, you know, our, our whatever muggles or normies or whatever that we talk about in, in society that aren't athletes, but like a lot of athletes that are vulnerable enough to strive for greatness or vulnerable enough to put themselves out there and genuinely, put it all for a specific goal for a sports performance goal for attaining um, success at some level of competition. Like those people have a lot of Insight, a lot of moral, a lot of you know, character ethics that we we can get to in training. Like as my job, like as more and more I see it, is like connecting with people and learning what I can from them is the the biggest joy in the job. So put a lot more emphasis on enjoying the process, enjoying the people that you're with, than um, knowing the X's and O's and worrying about how hard I'm working and worrying about. Um, am I better or am I good at my job, which again, something that's necessary, but maybe not to the degree that I pressure myself for.
0: I love it, dude. I love it. Anything else you want to say? It's your interview. You got a floor, open floor,
1: (laughs) open floor. Um,
0: no, man, I guess that's just
1: my journey and where, um, I'm at in my preparation, um, to be the best coach that I can be. So that's the other kind of end of the coin, right? Is As much as we're here to serve the athletes, we're on our own journeys to, uh, be the best at what we do so um you gotta walk the talk you gotta give yourself some space to breathe you got to continue to develop you have to train yourself just like you're training your athletes so that's uh kind of what i got absolutely man
0: well yeah. this is building a fighter please like share subscribe and do all the cool things that allow us to expand our network and try to make friends with your friends and talk to all the cool people uh if you are listening on apple podcast please rate our podcast. I think we only have like three ratings right now and we're getting about 700 listens a podcast. So that's not a great conversion rate. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are listening, I would really, really appreciate it if you did go and rate that because that boosts our SEO and gets us out there into the internet, interwebs a little bit better. Um, if you have any questions, want to talk about anything we talked about. want to get any book recommendations from Alex uh, or have just questions for him. All of our contact info will be in the show notes. We also do have our website live now where we have, I think we're up to five programs, uh, a whole low back sequence. If you're having any sort of low back strengthening or or, uh, problems that may arise, Um, as well as we do work with teams. So if if you are the head coach of a team, whether it be high school, college, uh, Professional. professional, independent, We program remotely for teams because we know sometimes it's hard to have in-house strength coaches that could be a a very high cost in order to get a high high quality program without having to have a salaried professional right there. That could be a great way to get about high quality strength and conditioning. So, and then as always, this is Building a Fighter, Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out.